sly and seductive. He persuades me to forsake my true self, Abba's beloved child. And as Cummings notes, become everybody else. My greatest difficulty these past years has been bringing the impostor into the presence of Jesus. I am still inclined to flagellate the false self, to beat him mercilessly for self-centeredness, to get disheartened, discouraged, and decide that my alleged spiritual life is merely self-deception and fantasy. Self-flagellation has a personal history with me. When I was 23 years old and a novice in the Franciscan Order in Washington, D.C., the Order practiced an ancient spiritual discipline on the Friday nights of Lent. A designated cleric stood flat-footed beside the stairwell on the first floor, slowly and loudly reciting Psalm 51 in Latin, Miserere mei domine, secunda misericordiam tuum. Meanwhile, the rest of us entered our cells on the second floor, clutching a noose-shaped instrument of torture measuring twelve inches long. It was coiled telephone wire. Throughout the duration of the psalm, we whipped our backs and buttocks to extinguish the fire of lust. I flailed away with such reckless abandon that I raised blood blisters on my back. The following day in the showers, a cleric took one look at my bludgeoned body and reported my condition to the novice master, who reprimanded me for my intemperate zeal. Truth to tell, I was trying desperately to make myself pleasing to God. Not so with Brother Dismas, who lived in the cell adjacent to mine. I listened as he scourged himself so savagely, I feared for both his health and his sanity. I risked a peek through his cracked door. With a bemused smile and a cigarette in his left hand, he was whacking the wall. Thwack, thwack, thwack. My response? I pitied the poor wretch and returned to my cell with an insufferable sense of spiritual superiority. Flagellation is not healthy for either the body or the soul. The impostor must be called out of hiding and presented to Jesus, or feelings of hopelessness, confusion, shame, and failure will stalk us from dawn to dusk. Writing Abba's Child was a profound spiritual experience for me, and I wish to share one last reflection. Certain truths can be spoken only from the well of exaggeration. In trying to describe the transcendent mystery of Abba's love, I employed a plethora of adjectives, such as infinite, outlandish, mind-bending, ineffable, and incomprehensible. Put them all together, and they are still inadequate for one simple reason. Mystery is spoiled by a word. Finally, my old and now retired spiritual director, Larry Hine, who wrote the blessing, May all your expectations be frustrated, may all your plans be thwarted, may all your desires be withered into nothingness, that you may experience the powerlessness and poverty of a child, and sing and dance in the love of God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit, has come up with another one. Today on planet Earth, may you experience the wonder and beauty of yourself as Abba's child and temple of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. A Word Before 
On February 8, 1956, in a little chapel in Loretto, Pennsylvania, I was ambushed by Jesus of Nazareth. The road I've traveled these last 38 years is pockmarked by disastrous victories and magnificent defeats, soul-diminishing successes and life-enhancing failures, seasons of fidelity and betrayal, periods of consolation and desolation, zeal and apathy are not unknown to me. And there have been times when the felt presence of God was more real to me than the chair I'm sitting on, when the word ricocheted like broken-backed lightning in every corner of my soul, when a storm of desire carried me to places I had never visited. And there have been other times when I identified with the words of Nay West.